Finally off this dang road on the training camp tour, dog. I'm <laughs> long. Bruh, I am stinking old. Like, for real, I'm tired as hell. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pinning it. I father here to witness it. No more people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On this vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. You know, it's one of those cool things. Like, you look at where we were last year to now. The difference in saying, welcome to the pivot. I'm RC. This is Chan. That's Freddie T. The different weight that carries. The way we were treated last year at this time as opposed to this year. You know, and I think you kind of have these landmarks where you look at where you start to where you are. And we've had like the year mark. You had the Kevin Hart mark. You had the rock, you had all these different things. And like now the training camp tour was one of those real visuals that you could really, that was really tangible because we could compare apples to apples. What to you was kind of like the best part or what sticks out to you about the trip? I say is the respect. Cause we had a bunch of great players on, a bunch of great coaches on. We talked to a lot of very smart, educated, talented people, but the respect they give you now when you walk into place, the, the, the going to Dallas, and the security man tucks us back. And the next thing you know, you up in the box talking to the Joneses. And just the respect that's been gained there. Everybody runs up on Fred. We yeah. had dudes sprinting out late to practice that would stop and see Fred and turn back around. And hey, now they all got gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the young, I love watching young running backs talk to them. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, but just really the respect they have and uh, the admiration that people have for us more than what we do, but what we're doing for people. And them players nowadays that's really coming up like, bro, I love this one, I love that one. And people were quoting lines. People came to me recently, just in the airport, dude came up to me, OG was like, hey, when you said the thing about the dude that smiles the most still has problems, he was like, man, I watched that four or five times because I'm the dude that's always smiling. Nobody asked me, am I okay with it? So just impacting people's lives, but the respect that's, that we've gained, I don't say given, the respect that we've gained overall, all walks of life, all facets of life, I really enjoy that. Yeah, for me, it's simple, man. I'm just grateful for it all. Grateful for the moment. You know, all those stops, everything that you said, but you have the young guys, they come up and they say, thank you. You know, they say, I appreciate you. And, and you can see it, you can actually feel it. What we're giving back, you know, it, it's, it's therapy for me. And, you know, we grind, we move, shit, your ass. You, I know your new clothes are going to say thank you. Because for about a good four weeks, <laughs> I know your old clothes was tidy. <laughs> like, man, this motherfucker ass smell like ass. Uh, so your new suits are going to say thank you. But uh, the grind, though, man, to looking back on it, you know, when we did the West Coast swing after the fight, knocked out those teams, boom talking about the fight itself but after the fight we start the training camp tour and then we hit all of those teams then we came east and hit all of those teams but the love is the same you know being able to get in the buildings mm. when a lot of other people weren't able to get access yeah. you know the coaches mike t say man this y'all home you gotta love that in new york y'all are home Anything y'all need, just let us know. Then you look up, they following you on Twitter. So the respect from the players and the coaches, the front office people, talking to John Lynch, 
you know, just the just that love, them saying they admire the show, that we got something special. So it makes you know you're doing something right. You brought up Dayball, the Giants coach. I would say that's the most memorable thing in this training camp tour was when we all sitting around talking and we heard 21 Savage playing. <laughs> and all of us check our phone, thinking, yeah. oh, my phone going off. Oh, my, my playlist on. And it was Brian Dayball. That was the most memorable thing to happen in this training camp tour. That right. blew my mind that Coach Dayball had 21 Savage on his damn phone. Yeah, I think the, the cool thing that has been for me is the respect we have as a group. You know, I think a lot of times you can move in these in these groups or have these shows or have these these things and like people don't see y'all as a family people don't see y'all as being together and you know people call it or my family calls it celebrities in the wild right when people see us out or see you somewhere they're like what you doing in the airport the same thing you doing in the airport. I'm trying to catch this plane. <laughs> like I'm trying to get on this flight to get where I'm going, but they're so used to seeing us on video or on YouTube or whatever it is, social media. And it's when they see us together and they realize, oh, like these dudes really hang. Right. Or these dudes are, are really friends or they're really cool or they really have one another's back. And so I think it makes them feel that the conversations we have are authentic. The conversations we have are truly who we are. And the other funny part about it is everybody approaches us with our own personalities. Everybody that approaches you is smiling already. You ain't even said nothing. You just, you must they look funny to, to them. Yeah. They be right? ready to go. They be boy. ready to go. They run up to me differently, right? They shake my hand like this. They run up to Fred and you can see they're in awe of his wisdom, of his experience. And so that's the thing. Like their personalities have now taken on the characteristics of our personality. And when you talk about people we've interviewed, there's nobody we interviewed that was bigger than Prime that was bigger than Deion Sanders, right? And there's no one, like you gotta think about this. Deion Sanders is not one of the best players to ever play his positions. He's one of the best players to ever play football, period. He's one of, truly, one of the greatest athletes to ever live. Deion Sanders' second act as a coach is probably more impressive, right? Because it's not about what God gifted him and made him naturally, it's what he what he's learned, it's what he can pass down, it's what he can communicate. And they've been a lightning rod, him and his team, the University of Colorado, because of who he is, yeah. right? This man takes over a one and 11 team, goes into TCU, who was in the national championship last year, the national championship runner up, mm -hmm. a 20 plus point underdog and pulls out the win. When you see what Dion's doing and you see the belief that he has when you're watching that post game and here's what was funny about the post game press conference Travis Hunter comes up and he hugs him and he says that's my son mm -hmm. and then he hugs Shador and so the lady asking the questions actually calls Travis Hunter Shiloh because she heard Dion say this is my son but he said it with such passion he said it with such meaning to her she didn't even look at who it was. She was like, oh, this got to be Shiloh. Yeah. This got to be his real kid. Where you're watching that, Freddie T, and the, the moment of really realizing Dion went there and did that in six months, turned a 1-11 program around to that. What are your thoughts or what are your first thoughts in that moment? You know, I just want to quote Dion real quick, RC. Uh, he said, when you do things different, people are afraid. People are scared. And just looking at the history of Dion, 
right? Um, Prime has always been Prime. He's always been that way. He's always been a personality. You know, he's always been passionate, very confident. You know, he speak to it, then he goes and back it up. I, when he was on our show, he said, look, I've won on, I've won everywhere I've gone, you know, on every level. Uh, so, so for me, you want to support and root for somebody, get behind somebody like that. Uh, and to see them be able to go in there and knock off a 17th ranked team with a team that was just 1-11 a year ago uh, at their place, you know, I, I think it's a confidence booster. I think it shows that um, he's he's extremely confident in himself and his players. Uh, and it's going to build up that program. Uh, the naysayers, he doesn't even – he don't really worry about them. Um, so, really, I think it's a great start for them, that program, uh, confidence builder. It shows that they have great players. It shows that those guys, unlike what Channing said, can compete at the HBCU level as well as Power Five. You know, when you talk about Travis Hunter, when you talk about Shador Sanders, 500 yards passing, crazy. Travis should have had two picks, and he played over 100 snaps. So it just shows it just shows that these guys are great caliber players that can get it done no matter where they are, which echoes their coach. They can get it done anywhere. That's what I got from it. There's a couple players that could play at HBCU and then go and thrive yeah, in I big conferences. And them two are special. Travis Hunter is the most impressive athlete I've seen in a long time in college. Mm -hmm. That joke could play in the league right now. He could stop playing today. He's going to go top five pick. He can play ball like that. The thing I love about Deion, how he's doing it, is unapologetic. He's going to be him at all times. And after the game, it wasn't, thank you, oh, I appreciate this love. No, I told y'all what's about to happen, and we did it. We went out there to turn the organization around, to turn the entire school around from a laughing stock to now ranked it that fast with, what is it, 87 new players? That's a mind frame. That's a mentality that you have to get across to children. Them are babies. Them are 18 to 20-year-old kids. And he has them believing in themselves and believing that they, they aren't that 1-11 team. That's the most impressive thing, and I love how he does embrace those guys. How when he hit it, him was going to come with him. Whoever he asked to leave and go with him, they were going to come with him because it wasn't – I know y'all play for guys. They were guys that were just a coach. They were using you. I was linebacker one at Florida. To Charlie Strong, I was chanting. I still talk to Charlie Strong to this day. To Ron Zook, to a couple of them other coaches, I was I was the starting linebacker for Florida. And that's what Dion has them guys, them, them guys believing. But the mentality to put on kids and get them to turn their mind frame that fast, man, it's crazy impressive. He's right, Fred. I, I questioned Dion every step of the way. Told him to his face, talked about it behind his back. Everything. <laughs> I questioned Dion Sanders the whole every step of the way. He shut my ass up. I gotta put my foot in my mouth about that. Well. Don't put your feet in your mouth. I know your feet stink like hell. You yeah. certainly don't wash below your knees. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, you they got to rinse and repeat. Yeah, you, you got to rinse and repeat. Yeah, you do not <laughs> do that. But I want to I wanna talk about some a certain uh, couple of things that we all said. First, Fred said doing it his way and also saying that it's not familiar or that things feel different. It's not that it's just that Dion does it his way. It's not just that it's different. It's that for so long, if we wanted that job, we had to be like them, yeah. right? If we wanted to hold that position, we had to speak like they talked. We had to assimilate, right? We had to compromise the bravado, the confidence, the being uniquely and authentically African-American. 
right? Which means our culture, which means the way we dress, the way we speak, the way we cut our hair, all of those things that actually make us dope as hell, right? The things that we're attracted to in one another, they don't want that. And it's not that they don't want it because they believe it's bad. They just don't know enough about it. They're not aware. And all they've seen work is what Bill Belichick does, right? What they've seen work is what John Harbaugh does. What they've seen work in college is Kirby Smart, is Nick Saban, is Dabo Sweeney. And so, nah, you can't come up here dancing like Lou Young and win, right? You're not going to tell us what you're going to do and then do it. That's not what coaches do, but it's what Prime does. But we also have to realize and be be smart about it and upfront about it. Prime can do that because he's prime. Prime can actually do that because of how good he was at football, because of how much money he has, how accomplished he's, he is, how successful he is. He ain't got to prove nothing to nobody. You're actually hiring Prime, right? That's not how it normally works. Like some dude who worked up from a GA and a quality control guy, he can't go act like Prime and coach, nah. right? Because they're going to be ready to get him out of there. I think... That part of it is just so different and it's uniquely him because he can do that. I think the other thing on the other side of it, and you know, Fred mentioned that these guys can maneuver in the HBCUs and play well, whether it's at Jackson State or Colorado. I tweeted after the game something I thought was cool, right? I was like, this is amazing. Like Shador Sanders just introduced himself to the college football world. The first time the world, the, the, the people who truly view college football as a whole, who make the decisions on who's the best and who's the most talented and all these things, got to see him on the biggest stage for the first time. And he was, if Travis Hunter didn't play on his team, the best player on the field, maybe the best quarterback that weekend. And I was like, man, what an introduction to college football. Yeah. And black people went crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, you gonna take this back? No, you got me effed up. I apologize one time, and now I gotta apologize all the time? I wish I mother effing would. Like, my point was this. My point was this. It wasn't even about the fact that we didn't pay attention to Shadur Sanders at Jackson State. It was about the fact that the rest of the world is not paying attention to Jackson State. The rest of the world doesn't care what happened against Southern University or Grambling or FAMU. That's not the way they view it because they don't look at those people who are on the field at that time as people who they're going to draft and be able to compare them against. Okay. And the other thing is this. Yeah, you know why college game day went to Jackson State? Because of Deion Sanders. The same reason that the two players that Fred mentioned can play on both levels went to Jackson State. Shadur Sanders don't go to Jackson State if his paw ain't there. No. Right? Travis Hunter doesn't go there if primetime – if – the best two-way player we've ever seen, is it the head coach there for the best two-way player we're getting to watch now? And so I just think that we have to be real, and I'm not where you are on HBCUs, but we have to be real. This is the first time Shadur Sanders was truly tested in that manner. He truly had those amount, that amount of eyes on him, and he passed with flying colors. And it's okay to say that it's different from what he did at Jackson State two years before that or the two years prior. The competition is not there. It's no competition, HBCUs. I understand what you want it to be, and that's what people want it to be. We have to talk about what it is. 
Nobody's looking at Grambling State's defensive secondary and saying, oh, he's eating up Grambling State. Oh, he's tearing up Jacksonville. They're not doing it. Hey, the, the competition is not anywhere close. You could take a, what they call a PWI. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 25th, 30th ranked. And they'll run through NAIA schools and all because the competition is just lesser. I believe in Shador Sanders now. Cause I, I can see him being a first-round pick after watching that Hell one game. Yeah. Could you say that about Shadur Sanders when watching him play at Jackson it State? Be, you couldn't. It would be hard to say because, because you don't know the level, the extent of the competition, the level of the competition. But because you kept tossing it around, I just want to say real quick, Shadur said in his postgame, that was the most yards he ever had in his life passing. Yeah, he had to say it. It was. <laughs> and you're talking about competition? Yes. Where? What happened? Like, that kid just went out there and lit it up. But, you know, I don't want to go too heavy on that because we've seen it. Like, we, it's a long season. It's going to be very entertaining. Just going to sit back and watch it. But since we're talking about upsets, boy, we are here. Let's talk about number five LSU. Can we talk about that? Jeez. Don't we have, like, a lot of other branches of this Dion thing to talk about? Like, there's so many other things that go along with it well, we, that we, we can, can talk about. Back, I'm not, not really sure. Away from it. I'm not really sure why we're talking about LSU. Like, I don't I, really. I just, I just want to get it in because Clemson was a beautiful upset by the Dukies. I mean, I feel like LSU people guys. watch our show to get the branches of sports, not necessarily truly talk about what happens on the field. I mean, I think, so for me, Fred, now, I mean, this is how you are. Oh, I love the fact that you are the host. You know how to clean it up. No, I'm going to say this. Hey, like, like, this straight let's up, talk bro. about it. Like, straight up. Like, <laughs> here's the issue. Period, point blank. There should never be a time at LSU that when people from Florida State are catching the football, I got to keep hearing Kirk Herbstreet tell me that this dude was a transfer from Syracuse. Like, that's not how it's supposed to happen or that this kid transferred from Tulane or Southeastern. And it's nothing against these kids. I want them all to do well. And I do understand that recruiting is not a perfect science. People get missed. In the day and age of size and strength and speed, there are good players that go all over the world that have to go prove their certain thing, which is why, in some ways, the transfer portal is good. Right? Those guys get to go to LSU. But that ain't what we supposed to do. Right? It's supposed to be the top of the top 15 to 20 DBs in the world. Two or three of them supposed to want to come play for DBU. Two or three of them supposed to want to wear seven. And so, like, when you got to go out and do that, that's tough. And the other thing is this, too. When you bring Brian Kelly in, Brian Kelly has coached at Cincinnati. Brian Kelly has coached at Notre Dame. Those kids different. Right? Yeah. The kids you recruit, we went to Notre Dame. The kids you're recruiting at Notre Dame, some of them may not need that extra push, or most of, most of them don't. Most of them has been, have been planning on the Notre Dames and the Stanfords and the Dukes and all that. Like, it's Louisiana, bro. Like, you know that the public school system is ranked 
near the bottom of the United States. So when I'm looking at this kid's transcript, I got to look at the kid's circumstances, right? I got to ask what's going on in his house. I got to ask what help he has. I can't run away from raising people. More importantly, RC, you got to understand how to get in the house. How to be personable in the South is different than recruiting in the wet, out West and other places. I remember when Florida was trying to make a decision on who to hire. I think it was Malcolm Wayne they brought in, they eventually brought in. I'm like, this, this guy didn't necessarily come across as personable, you know? So how are you gonna go here in the South and talk to these parents and get the best, the most out of this, this situation? And then the kid, the same thing. You know, you have coaches that they, they wanna dump all this money into, but how do they relate to the players? to the athletes. And, you know, I don't want that to be an excuse from from an early season upset. You know, Florida State, they they came in, they were prepared. They 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 managed the portal. You know, it seems that it was a success. They have a long season in front of them. So so does uh LSU. But but uh that particular night, and I say that just to, you know, give RC a hard time, it was a, it was a great game for a half. And then they just broke down. And that's communications from the staff, the players. Everybody was at fault. And Florida State ended up being a better team that night. This training camp episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And when I think of BetterHelp, I think of what training camp can do to you, the type of pressures that are on each and every player here to make a team. Those things come out and sometimes send players into depression. It, it always started with therapy for me, RC. I felt that I wanted to be better. But the only way I could do that is I had to go out and get help. And therapy, you know, I, I started in person and then I eventually went full time online, which is what BetterHelp offers. No need to fall back. Go out there and seek the help you need. And if you're thinking about th starting therapy, try BetterHelp. Online, like you say, Freddie, convenient. They'll adjust to your schedule, flexible, and they're there for you. And they're, they're out there to help us. Don't be, don't be timid to ask for help because everybody needs it. I've been to therapy. I know y'all have as well. BetterHelp, reach out to them. And listen, let therapy be your map. And you can let therapy be your map through BetterHelp. You can go to betterhelp.com slash pivot for 10% off right now. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pivot for 10% off your first month. Let BetterHelp be your map. Talk about the transfer portal because nowadays watching all college football games, you hear, oh, this guy came from here. This guy came from Kent State. This guy transferred in this way. Clemson got beat by Duke, which is a crazy upset. Dabo Sweeney doesn't believe in the transfer portal. He does not. That's the dumbest thing in the world. To your point, it's changing right now. But when we were in college, how many transfers came in? I think I remember two guys transferred remember, in the Remember Florida. when we were younger, you had to drop down a level of play. To, to get out. To, to, to be able to leave those schools. Mm -hmm. And you also had to be allowed out of your scholarship if you wanted to move laterally. So we didn't have those opportunities. But they have to embrace it now. Yeah. Like, them coaches that are trying to run from that thing, boy, you better embrace it and go get them kids because now you can see a kid who maybe not developed as much as he would, but you can now see him a little older, uh, maybe playing a couple snaps and see him, and that's what teams got to do. Florida, Fred, we can't, we can't throw, throw stones in this glass house. We living in that Florida. No, no. Hey, that looks like a high school we team. We tweeted it. Jalen Ramsey got at me and RC on Twitter. We both got our asses beat, yeah. and we look – Awful. Well, so I mean, y'all weren't going to win when y'all quarterback came from Wisconsin. Hey, but listen. You don't ever want one of them. But then you got a couple year. that with playing against the backup at Utah. 
That was their backup. That was a two backup. They had a two 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 quarterback. Right. So system. I mean, it was it's but, tough. It's still early. That I'm going to lay my head on that. But I want to go back to uh, Dabo really quick. Do you think his the Dabo dynasty in Clemson is done? Zero. It's done. It's over. Especially if you don't want to keep up with what's going on in college football. It's like right. I don't want to use an oven. Why don't you want to use it? Because I just don't want to. Don't use the microwave. That's the most efficient hey, way. I want to cook on the fire outside on a stick. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? When I heard he's getting on this transfer portal, you have to keep up or you're going to die. You have to adjust or die. And Clemson's football is going to die if he doesn't get out that old way of thinking about this not being in the transfer portal. It's the dumbest thing in the world, and you have to now keep up with guys like Dion. You don't want to bring anybody in? I'll bring them all in. 87 new players, come on in. And I got on Dion about when he walked in and told him, all oh, y'all, he's like, I'm bringing my own luggage. And they're going to start, too. So I do have a question about that, though. If you're a parent of one of those kids, of one of those players, what is your advice to your kid? What is your feeling on when Dion walks in there? One, you know y'all stink because y'all 1-11. Yes. When Dion walks into that room and say, look, a lot of y'all aren't going to be here. I got dudes that's going to come with me. And not even the dudes I'm bringing, there's going to be people from the Florida states and from the other schools who may not be able to get on the field who are four and five stars who are going to come here too. What's your feeling if you're that kid sitting in the chair when you first see Deion Sanders? Because I'm sure when you hear Deion Sanders is coming, you're excited yeah. if you're Colorado. And he walks in right away and say, I'm probably not going to be y'all coach. If you're the parent of one of those kids, what are you talking to to your young man? I would have to. If my son was on Colorado and he comes in with that, and we all saw it on social media, go compete. If you prove yourself, you're going to have a job. It's like when we talk about cut day, we talk about getting cut in the league. And my whole take is it's the 1% of the 1%, not the 5% of the 1%. If you're not good enough to play at that level, you need to trade down or transfer out or do something. These aren't children. It's not an 11U football team. These are 18 to 24-year-old kids. You need to learn life right now. Go out there and whoop somebody's ass, earn you a spot, or move on. That's what I would tell my son. If he, was in, if he went to Colorado, I would say, earn your spot. Earn the respect of Dion. Don't, don't wait or wait for anybody to give you anything. That's not how life is. Actually, a great life lesson. I think Dion showed them dudes. You're not good enough to play here. Find some else. Coming from us, though, it's a big skew, you know, because we competed our entire lives. You know, this, here's a guy that was undrafted. He had to go in and show them, look, I'm worthy. I belong here. And he fought through and ended up playing for 13 years. You know, you yourself, you know, going through your thing in Florida, coming out early as a sophomore, getting to the league, be becoming a starter, you know, alongside uh, Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers yeah. So our mindset is a bit different when it comes to that question, I, I believe. Um, I think that's better suited for someone who hasn't been in our position. But... Um, I don't know. I would tell my son, you got to get your ass out there and compete. If you, if you can't play here, that dream you had of trying to make it to the next level, it's definitely not going to happen there. You know, so I don't know. But as, as, it's tough. Uh, it's easy for us to say, but it's tougher, you know, for someone who hadn't played, you know, on a professional level. Like yeah, that. I think that I think the but the conversation is it's not easy. Right. Because up until that point, your child earned the opportunity to be there. You got to keep earning. Right. You got to keep through, earning. Right. He earned the right through scholarship or whatever it is to be there. Now, I know there are a lot of these schools that are talking to these kids or telling these players, you can't play football, but we'll work a way that your schooling is still paid for if you want to go to school here. You just won't be on this team. 
right? We won't use one of those scholarships for the people that put the helmets on for you. And the bigger issue to me is if you're upset about that, your entitlement reeks, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not entitled to this. You know what I'm saying? Just because you worked hard last year or you made plays last year doesn't mean you have to be here. Doesn't mean those people have to keep you. But I do think when you look at the negativity surrounding Dion, that's part of it. It's part of that being so public, seeing that, and now people looking at him with the sensitivities that we have now. Like, don't nobody want to be told the truth. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody want to be like, you stink or you below the line or whatever you are doing isn't enough. But the thing is, if I tell you that truth, which might hurt, down the line, it's so much better than me lying to you. Because yeah. if I lie to you and I placate to you and I keep you moving along and I keep you hanging around and I keep you thinking that this thing is going to happen, do you know how bad it is when somebody tell you the truth? Like when you walk away from me or you get away from me and you realize the truth on your own or your friend tells you the truth, you're going to be like, you're going to come to me. And if you respected me and you thought I actually cared about you, you'd be like, RC, why you ain't tell me that? Right, Freddie T, you come to me like you had all this time. And I think the, the world of sensitivity we live in is forcing people who don't want to, to look at themselves. And then in other ways, it could force you to look at yourself. Like the Tua situation with me, you know? I'm gonna be straight up, bro. It's the, the timing of it was very funny because the week before y'all two made all those jokes about my lower half, (laughs) right? You said I was built like a woman. Freddie T called them drumsticks. Or something. Upside down. Uh, upside down drumsticks. <laughs> Turkey leg. I, I am. <laughs> you built funny. I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm thicker on the bottom half than I should be. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. For a man of my size. Yes. Right? Like, I got to buy my jeans different and get them taken up in the waist. Like, I get it. You know? But the for us, that was something we could laugh about. Yeah. Right? And so, I'm on TV and you're just there. And, like, I'm looking at him. And, you know, I'm like, oh, he looks softer, but bigger. Like he had gained some weight, which he said he did. And he said he put on muscle. And I'm looking at it in a uniform. And it really was one of those things where I kind of like forgot I was on TV, really. And I was just talking like I talk, which I do on TV most times anyway. And, you know, you say it and then you start getting the negativity from it. Uh, I think the same guy that trained you Mm -hmm. trains him. Yep. And he was, you know, he tweets about it. And now everybody's saying something. Uh, there was a former football player who does radio in Denver. He puts out, like, a whole post about it, right? And you know me. Like, there's certain things I think are cool, and there's certain things I don't, right? Like, I'm not, I don't care. If you're on another na- network or doing something, I don't care what you say. I'm never going to say anything about it. Unless I DM you and I'll be like, hey, man, that was dumb. Yeah. Or that was stupid. Or why would you say that? Or that hurts in this way. But most of the times, if I don't know you, I don't care enough anyway. And so I was like, hey, man, like, you need to like, keep that soft ass stuff to yourself. <laughs> you know, but like, that's, my, that's my, my, my feeling on it. When you heard me say it yeah. and you saw it becoming a big deal, especially being in Miami and having to, I guess, deal with the questions or answer for me as your friend. What was the whole story stir like for you? It, and I think it started before you, and I put it on Brian Flores 
because he treated Tua. So in early in his career, they were taking him out for Fitzpatrick. Then he started getting injured. So people treat Tua like this little baby. And that was my point when it happened, and I did two days of radio about it. And I'm like, Tua's a grown-ass man. When he came out all sensitive, I was like, well, what are you talking about? Why is he worried about what you think about his body? Because it's just sensitivity there. But everybody from when, from when Flo was there early on, Tua got painted as this little, this little delicate flower. And now he's trying to push back. So I see him, and I even saw him in the press conference when he did it. He almost ramped himself up to say something back to you because he's really not built that way. He's a very nice kid. But it's just the sensitivity side. I'm with you. I don't give a damn what anybody says about me. And I know I'm, vi- I'm an aberration in that thing. I really don't give a damn what nobody says. But I don't know why grown-ass millionaires give a damn if you think their body looks funny. Who cares? Go do your job. Go perform. And he'll shut you up. Let two an MVP. That'll shut you up quick. Why does he care so much about what people, but it goes back to this new age kid, the social media, them reading every damn tweet, reading every damn comment. It's, it's turning people very sensitive because they're so concerned with other people's thoughts of them, not with just performing and thriving in life. They worried about, if I'm thriving, I need you to see that I'm thriving. No, just go do it, and the world will see your success. Right. For me, um, we, we, I think the apology is, is what stood out the most for me. You know, going on your social media and you apologizing, you know, it, it brings us, it brings me back to the word respect. You know, we were talking about the respect we get as we go into these facilities, these other teams. So when you when you break that word down, right, re-inspect. Spect is the look. Re is back, right? So when you're looking back, there has to be some sort of history. And for you to, to look back and realize what you said, it, it just shows you how much you respect that man at the very end of the day. And that's what I got from it. So I ended up gaining more respect for you as a man for you to show that vulnerability and go back and just truly apologize for being out of pocket, for lack of a better term. Uh, The shit was funny. (laughs) I can say that. It was funny to those who weren't so sensitive. But, boy, you rattled the shit out of them Dolphin fans. They were tweeting at you. (laughs) They were tweeting. You was defending. You was blocking them. But, I mean, mean, in in sports, man, you can't be so thin-skinned. You know, it comes with the territory. Uh, We all have been through it. Shit. I tell you, I got to deal with if I if I look my name up, they got nicknames. They they got Fragile Fred next to to my name. Don't even laugh. I ain't got no thin skin because at the end of the day, I know the real. Tua, you know, he he fought back, like you said. He had to jump into it and let him know that I ain't no punk bitch. I ain't no punk bitch, RC. Yeah, so, you know, and that's what he did, and he defended himself. I was more upset. I was upset at you for disrespecting the wonderful ladies of Onyx. <laughs> there is no woman that works at Onyx, which I'm a, I'm a, 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 a frequent, a, a frequent client of. customer of Onyx. <laughs> Not one woman in there looks like Tua. But he said day shift. <laughs> he said day shift. <laughs> day shift look like Tua. Hey, man, it is time for the DraftKings Sportsbook Picks of the Week. And I'm going to be honest, I'm about to make somebody mad. I'm going down to Duval for my winner over Indianapolis. Hey, RC, you know I got to follow you, man. Let's go, Jacksonville. I'm going with that new boy slinging that ball in New York now. New York over Buffalo. DraftKings, those are the picks. I already know two of us are going to be right. I'm going to be honest. Like the, the, the thing was, it wasn't about like what people said to me. Like I didn't care that like the Dolphins fans were mad. And I actually understood why they were mad. I knew that it was 
this kid has at least seemed to be treated unfairly in ways. But I didn't care about them. It was when he had to answer the question about it and the way it was brought up to him, the way he was asked, the way he responded. Um, you know, and I said it like I do the job for a certain reason and I try to do it a certain way. I didn't mean and like everybody's like, you know, the apology, the if I offended you, obviously you offended him. I didn't mean to offend him. I didn't mean like I, I truly was joking. And if he took it in a disrespectful way, then I got it. And we talked on the phone like we had a conversation and it was such a such a weird thing because it felt like I was talking to Troy. You know, so like that was the, the the first thing. And I was honest with him. I said, to be real with you, had I been asked the question the way you were asked, I probably would have answered worse than you answered. Right. I said, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. You defended yourself. Right. I said, you did exactly what you're supposed to do when you feel like you've been disrespected. And like a man on the phone with him, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I apologize. I said, because I didn't mean to disrespect you. No, there are things I say purposely about people and to people and I mean to disrespect them right I want them to feel disrespected and I want to see how you're going to respond and what you do when I disrespect you I'm not apologizing for that what I will apologize for though is if that was not my intention and it wasn't but it also put me in a place the Shador Sanders thing uh, the Tua thing a while back, a few weeks ago, me saying that George Pickens was more talented than Justin Jefferson. And I am no different than I've always been my entire life. I'm no different than I've always been my entire career. But it's like, dang, because I said that, is that big of a deal? Or because I said this, is that big of a deal? Or because I said that, now you got to DM me and call me names and be hot with me because of these things. And it's starting to make me understand and realize that like with heightened success and heightened accomplishments comes more responsibility. Or at least you now are being viewed in a different way under a certain microscope. People hold you accountable in a different way, right? Because my thing about George Pickens is a conversation starter, mm -hmm. right? I can say he's 6'4", and he's 200 pounds, and his wingspan is this, and his hands are this big, and he's leaping. I can say all those things and be like, still, Justin Jefferson's a better wide receiver. Justin Jefferson's harder to cover. I can say those things because I know those nuances, right? You can ask me about the Tua thing, and I can say, well, it was a joke because of whatever his build is, I feel this way, right? The Shadur Sanders, it's a, it's a statement made based on where he's in school now, but it's like people hold you accountable for those things when they start to expect a certain level out of your thoughts, out of your opinions. And I can be honest, I'm having to adjust to that along with Fred saying like he respects the fact that I apologize. That was hard for me, right? Like when he was like, I get scrappy, and when, you know, he was like, keep my name out of your mouth. Yeah. Like, I was straight up like, and? You know, like, like, but no, I understand now that I'm also 43. Like, I can't just be trying to fight people, but that's hard for me. And what's the, what's the Spider-Man saying? With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And that's what I think you're gaining 
you're gaining that power over people. They listen to you. They really respect what you say. It's when the thing with uh, Russ and Sierra and all that stuff came with me and we were on the Breakfast Club. And Angela Yee, because I was like, why does he care what I think about him or his lady? What does it matter? And she was like, you've gained people's respect to care about what you say. There's a bunch of people with Twitters and Instagrams that nobody gives a damn. They have eight followers. We say have whatever the hell they want. Yeah, and nobody's listening. But you have all these followers. You have all this. And that, that hit me when she said I was like, I understand that. I still don't know why you care about my opinion. But I see that that power comes. And they have that power over you. And... Once you get it, and I've even got I even got to a point now where I try to I try to say things differently. I try not to really get get on anybody too heavy because people are watching. Kids are watching. And that's the thing with me. When I'm about to tweet something or text something, who I got teenagers following me on this. Let me not say that. Let me not cuss, you know, cuss on there and all. And I'm even changing my mind frame. And you're on a way different platform, a way higher national TV platform. And I think people really care about it. And you were speaking about success. When you thrive so much to be successful that you take the, you take the energy away from your loved ones. Because I, I, we go out, we be grinding, we're doing a training camp tour, we're doing all that, and I come home exhausted. And I, you know, I don't sleep past 6, 7 in the morning, but I sleep till 9, 10, 11. The kids are already up, Asia's out there with them. And she had to reset me like, listen, you're giving the world all of you. You come home with nothing left for us. And we're the most important piece of this whole call. Asia holds down everything while we running and working and trying to be successful. And I think a lot of men, I just want to say that thing, I think a lot of men need to almost prioritize their life and prioritize their loved ones over success. Because success is going to be there and success will be gone. Them babies, your wife, your girl, whoever that is, your parents, the people you love, Put as much energy into them as you do to try to be successful, try to get that up, that, that raise, try to make more money. And don't take all the energy away from them babies or, or your loved ones. I think balance and moderation is always key, right? We got to learn how to keep the main thing the main thing. But how do you do that? Like, how do we uh, figure out and make certain sacrifices? But it has to come from both ends. You know, Asia, she has to play her part. You know, you, you're out here grinding, you got to play your part. And when it's time to get back to it, you gotta be all in. You, you can't be tired. That's that's your sacrifice that you gotta make. You gotta find that that second win, you know, and make sure those kids are getting everything that you give this show or your your radio show. And now, you know, as a host to uh, Inside NFL, so it's about finding that balance. And the shit ain't easy. You're gonna be tired. Yeah. You know, she gotta know when I'm gonna step it up and do a little bit more. He out there getting it and vice versa. You got to know when she's been grinding. So finding that balance, man, and um, it's hard to say moderation, but try your best to do things in moderation when you're with each other. I think um, that'll level out the playing field. I think the hardest thing, uh, we've talked to a lot of successful people. Uh, Stephen A. Smith has talked about it. You know, Marcus Freeman talked about a, a work-life blend. Like, I struggle with that. And whether I'm lying to myself or not, like, I feel like it's not about the success or the achievement. It's about the effort, you know? And a lot of times the conversation begins with me is that I'd be like this no matter what. In the sense that, like, I'm like, nah, man, like, when I grind, Jordan gets and Jaden gets and Logan gets and Yanka gets and, the you know, home is better. When I grind now, I can take care of my parents still too and take care of this and I'm not taking anything away from anybody. 
right? I'm not looking at it as like my personal success. I'm looking at it as like, these are the blessings I've been given. You know, like you, you get from a lot of people that you're good at a lot of things. I'm actually not. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the truth of it. I'm actually not, you know, based on my draft status, I wasn't even good enough at football, right? And God allowed me the opportunities to be in the right spot to make it work. And then my effort to prepare for those opportunities allowed me to take advantage of those opportunities when they came. And what normally happens is from that work, more work comes and more effort comes because there's more achievement. You know what I'm saying? Like goals change. We have to realize goals change and the people we love have to realize they change. And we got to try to find some sort of synergy in some place where we can try to do all of that together. And sometimes like the hard question of becomes, can we do all of that together? And if we can't, who gives up what? You know, and so I think the thing about this, and I know we're about to end, is this. We all have dreams and goals and wants, right? My dreams and goals and wants have never been to relax while I can still do. Amen. It's never been to sit on my butt when there's more I can give y'all. It's never been to say, I'll do tomorrow what I can do today. And I get it. You may grind yourself to the bone, bro, and by the time it is time to relax, it may be over. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with if my eyes close and I can leave something tangible for the people I love to be okay when I can no longer make sure they're okay, that's my job to me. And it's not to say that like your presence doesn't matter and your attention doesn't matter and what you give here doesn't matter. But it's like, we all have to understand that there's a reason and there's consequences and reactions to all, to all actions. And I just remember, man, like my dad was at everything important, but he wasn't around all the time. I got my lunch money and tip money because he worked the valet after he worked for the levy board, right? I couldn't find my dad for two weeks after Katrina because he was living at the levy board when everybody else in Louisiana got an opportunity to evacuate. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm proud of that. Yeah. Like, I'm proud that that's my dad. I'm proud that my dad rolled up to my football games in his valet uniform and then drove to work before the game was over. Like I'm proud that I had to, in my senior year, drive him to work, drop him off, cause I didn't have a car. Like I couldn't get me a car as a senior and like I had to be at school at a certain time so I couldn't catch the bus. I would drive to the school, actually catch a ride with a friend. My dad would catch a ride with somebody so he could come back and get his car. Like they made those sacrifices. So what that like, I ain't fucking see him every day, you know? And I just think, man, like I am having a hard time with that, you know, because I think sometimes it's like, you're the best you may have been individually, 
but you being the best individually is not what everybody thinks is the best for them. And that's a tough place to be. Mm-hmm. And that's the show. That's the show. Unless we can get talk about Beyonce and Taylor Swift. <laughs> Y'all don't want to talk about it? All right. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm finna get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm finna get me up. On the mission, get me up.